Hello, ladies. Welcome back to Celebrate You. Today, we have a very interesting guest. So we have Sue Reed. Uh, she's from Devon in the UK, and she's the founder of Life by Design. However, what is extremely interesting about this conversation is that just like myself and many of you that I know that are listening, Sue used to work in the banking industry. And I say used to because Sue used to work, well, she worked for 42 years in retail banking. So, and like names like HSBC, uh, Nationwide Building Society. So what I find like super interesting, it's like today we say, oh, women empowerment and banking and the other, but I cannot even imagine how it was like 42 years ago. So Sue is such an inspiration because she was one of the trailblazers uh, for all of us. Uh, so Sue, thank you so much and welcome to the show. Hi, Moni. Thank you. And uh, thanks for inviting me. I'm really pleased to be here. Thank you. The pleasure is mine. <laughs> um, so let's start with, yeah, tell us about your story. Okay. So I, like you said, I was in banking for 42 years. It's, it's really the only job I had. Um, it wasn't my first choice. It was my, I had quite a strict father, so mm. very um, strict upbringing. My father made all the decisions, so my father decided that was the job I should do. It was either work in a bank, uh, he thought that was a good job for a woman, or be a secretary, which he also thought was a good job for a woman. Um, I yeah. went to secretarial school for about two weeks to learn how to type and how to do shorthand. And I was absolutely rubbish at the shorthand. <laughs> so after two weeks, <laughs> I said to my dad, I can't do this. And he said, OK, so it's banking then. So he applied for five different roles for me, five different banks. And I had interviews at three and um, I got well, I got two, but I chose to work for what was Midland Bank then, which was taken over by HSBC. Um, so I started off at Midland Bank and I worked there, uh, worked in banking for 42 years, doing all sorts of different roles, but finished up as a financial advisor. Um, I think the one thing I loved about the job was meeting people, talking to people, advising people. Yeah. That's what I really loved. So when I retired in 2019, I didn't want to just sit around. I wanted to do something um, that would help people. And so I thought, what was it that I love? I love um, the pe you know, meeting people. So I thought, well, okay, I'll, I'll do coaching and stuff like that. So that's what I moved into. Um, so as you say, I live in Devon and I'm married. I've got a son. I've got a stepdaughter and a grandson. Um, and yeah, I'm really happy here. I'm really happy with what I'm doing. Oh, that's wonderful. Like, I find it so, it's not weird. What's the word? Like, at the word in English is not coming to my mouth right now, but it's like, it's strange, unknown, that concept of my father, <laughs> like, choosing know, for me which job. <laughs> which job should I, I do that? <laughs> I don't believe now. But yeah, when yes, I look yes. back now, I mean, I've, I've, had to, I've had to kind of do some work on myself because of that, because of all the, like, the conditioning that was in me, all the codes uh, that were in there, um, with my father saying, you know, you, you, this, this is the job for you. This is what, you know, you're, you're, you won't be working for very long anyway because, and this is actually what they said when I started work because one of the first things I asked was, can I take some banking exams? Um, and they said, no, you're, you're a woman. Why would you want to take <gasps> banking exams? <laughs> you're, you're not going to be here long enough. You're oh, going wow. to get married and have children. So it'd be a waste of our money. So I thought, oh, okay then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, so there was... I mean, yeah, there was my, my father never said to me and my well, my parents never said to me, you can be anything you want to be. It was, you know, the, these are your only options. Get on with it sort of thing. <laughs> but it was it was the way it was at that time. Wow. 
Well, like now, like if I think about it, like now I look at like women, let's say your age, my mom's age, you know, and we're like, oh, those were the real women who started the movement, not the movement, but like who started like changing the world for us today. Because I cannot even Definitely. imagine how difficult it was to say, yeah, you don't have a choice. This is what you're doing. Well, I grew up, my mom told me like all the time, you can do anything that you want. And I never appreciated yeah. that maybe it came from, she couldn't. She yeah. just had to no, no, nobody do the secretarial work. Nobody ever, yeah. ever told me I could do anything I wanted. No, no. Oh, wow. And I, I remember um, I'd probably been working in the bank for about six months. And one of the girls, she was a bit more senior to me, but she came in wearing a trouser suit. And, oh, my God, you'd think she'd come in wearing a bikini or something because <laughs> that's not appropriate wear. You, you need to be wearing a skirt. Why are you wearing trousers? You're not a man. <laughs> Never wear them again. <laughs> and she said, well, I can wear what I like. And they said, no, you can't. Not if you want to stay here. <laughs> oh, it was, that is And so as things did start to change, um, and, you know, things started to change, like you didn't have to call the, the manager sir anymore or mr so and so you could call them by their first name and we had a meeting they said call your manager by his first name and we were all like what <laughs> and i remember the first woman in our office that got a senior post so she got the a post of account manager and all or most 90 of the men in the office were saying well she must be she must be a lesbian she was married But they were going, she must be a lesbian. Why would she want a man's job? She must be. <laughs> It's a completely different time. <laughs> unbelievable. Looking back now. <laughs> yeah, it is so unbelievable. Well, I hope that when the girls that, yeah, I hope that the girls that are like babies today, when they grow up, they look at you and me and say, oh, that is like unbelievable like I cannot even yeah. think of a world where there is a pay gap why could that exist that it's like nonsense <laughs> yeah I hope so yeah I hope so because we've proven we are just as good at doing that sort of job as men are so and sometimes better yes oh that is such a beautiful start so you've been in banking like for all these years and then you're retired and you said I want to start life by design What inspired you to do this work? Well, I wanted to I wanted to do some something in the line of coaching. So before I left work, I, I did a qualification in hypnotherapy and neurolinguistic programming. So I was using that and helping a few people, you know, quietly as as well as working full time. So I wasn't doing a lot, but just to keep Um, you know, my qualification, my experience, if you like. Uh, and that went well. So when I left, I thought, well, I'll, I'll start a little business up as uh, Sue Reed Hypnotherapy, which I did. Um, and then I, because I, I love learning, I'm a lifelong learner. Um, so I, I did lots of different courses and I thought, well, I'll expand it a little bit more. And so I went into like more coaching but using hypnotherapy and NLP with it um, and I got to thinking about life by design because I think well you can choose how you want your life to go um, and you can choose like there's so many decisions you can make you know you can choose how you want your your health and fitness to be you know do you want to be really fit and healthy do you not You can choose, you know, what sort of books do I read? What do I put in my mind? So what do I put in my body? What do I put in my mind? Um, you know, you can have a vision of the future. Everyone's got things they want to achieve and things they want to do. But a lot of people don't actually do them because they don't know where to start or they think, oh, that's never going to happen to me and blah, blah, blah. They've got all these limiting beliefs. So I thought, well, I know with myself, because of my upbringing and because kind of I think it was kind of a chain reaction in my life, the upbringing I had and, you know, no um, disrespect to my parents because they, they did bring me up in that way, in the times. Um, 
And, but because of that, I kind of went into some bad relationships and I was shy and I didn't really have boundaries set. And so people took advantage of me. And I thought, you know, I had dreams. I had places I, I wanted to go. I had things that I wanted to do, but I never believed I could do it because I had no confidence. I had no courage. And going through a really bad marriage just left me with zero confidence anyway. I was like completely at ground zero. Mm. So I built myself back up and I did a lot of work with myself using my hypnotherapy and my NLP. And um, I thought, well, if I can help myself, I can help other people. Um, and so that was the thoughts behind it. And then that kind of led me on to also thinking about confidence and self-esteem and shyness. And although I think shyness is something we're born with, it shouldn't hold us back. We shouldn't, the, the nervousness, the timidness, the fear, those are natural instincts. Those are the, the things that keep us safe in the world. You know, there are primal instincts to kind of warnings when you're in danger, mm. your brain sends, your unconscious mind sends out signals. But that can sometimes stop you even, you know, going for a job interview because you're frightened of, of what they might say to you or, you know, even walk into a, a room full of strangers, um, meeting new people. It can hold you back so much. And people say, well, it's because I'm shy. It's because I've got no confidence. But that, it doesn't have to be like that. You can build it back up. So I'm kind of moving into the niche of confidence building and overcoming shyness. And to, in that respect, I'm writing a book at the moment. I've written now just over 6,000 words. So <laughs> it's coming along. And then along with that, I'll do um, some workshops and some, and I'll set up an online course. So that's kind of my trajectory now to head down that path and, and move into the, the niche of building confidence. Because I thought, well, I know that I'm still a shy person. I'm still introverted. I still prefer my own company to being in a large crowd. Um, I'm still getting nervous, um, at, you know, walking onto a stage, for example, and, and talking in front of people. Yeah. But I know how to get over it. I know I can do it. And that's what I want to bring out to the world to help other people. Awesome. And that's the most beautiful thing because it's not like, it's not like you, you say, oh, I'm shy and that's stopping me. But it's more like I'm shy and I'm going to do it anyways. It's, but it's like, That's of it. course, I'm conscious of my emotions because like feeling shy, it's just an emotion. So it's more of a, I'm conscious of how I feel and what I'm thinking when I am doing these activities that require me to be the center of attention and be on stage, for example. But it's like, oh, now I know how to manage that little voice and to manage my emotions. Therefore, I can do it. That is super cool. That's it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It is just controlling that inner voice that's telling you you can't do it um, and just thinking, yes, I can. And the thing is, once you've done something scary once, then you you know you can do it. You've done it. You, so you know you can do it. So you can tell your unconscious mind, I can do this. I've done it before. I can do it again. You just keep repeating that. And together with slow breathing, calming yourself down, and also making sure that you feel good, you, you know, you look good. If you can do all that, then you can basically achieve anything. You can, you know, mm. you can just do it. And I tend to, if I'm worried about something, if I'm going to do something that scares me, I just talk myself through it. Like I'm talking somebody else through it. I'm <laughs> going, you can do this, just keep going. And I, I do stuff like tell myself, well, in 12, 12 hours time, this will all be over and you'll be back at home. And then I think oh. I can do I can do this because in 12, in 12 um, hours time, I'll be sat at home thinking to myself, I did it. I did it. And, I, oh. and it was fine. So you yeah, just keep telling good. yourself that over and over again. Yeah, that's such a great mindset because it's like what I've done before, it's more of, a, oh, in five years time, it will not matter. <laughs> but five years time is like a long time in the future. <laughs> like it doesn't help you deal with the present. But if I tell myself, oh, in 12 hours time, I will be home. Yeah. And then that's yeah, it. I've just got to do this. I've just got to step like, oh. forward. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's it. it. It's just a mindset shift. And also things like thinking of, of who you admire, who does give good talks. You know, there's so many motivational speakers. So say you admire Oprah Winfrey and you, you know, you watch her on TV and you see how she performs and how she acts. And you just think Oprah Winfrey in your mind, how, what would Oprah Winfrey say? What would Oprah Winfrey do? And by keeping that in your mind, you're kind of identity shifting to, for that split second, you are Oprah Winfrey and you're acting the way she would act. It's a different way of thinking, but it takes you out of your, your, that fear. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, because it takes you out of your head and basically you act, your mind acts as the counselor, let's say, as if you were somebody else. You're like, ah, yeah, yeah. what I would tell to my friend or what would so-and-so tell me. Yeah, that's a very practical yeah, way of, of changing yeah. your mindset. Um, I have a, now that at the beginning of, of the talk, you were, you were, you may, you used two different words. One is confidence and self-esteem and that how your divorce kind of like put your, your confidence at the rock bottom. Uh, there's, I think I've had this question for a very long time. What's the difference between confidence and self-esteem in your view? I think, in my view, I think self-esteem is how you view yourself, what you're thinking about yourself, um, and confidence is having the courage to to do something. Um, so one is your view of yourself, and the other is is how you act because of that view. That's the way mm. I see it. I love it because then self-esteem it's similar to self-image how I'm seeing yeah. myself and confidence yeah. equals to courage. E.g. Yes. do I have the genesequa uh, kind of like the pump to go and do it that it's like I've got the confidence to do it. Awesome. Yes. That's a really good distinction because then it's like I find I find that as well that when you talk to people it's a uh, self-esteem, confidence, they are used interchangeably, but I know they are, they are different, but I hadn't really understood the difference. So for you guys that are listening in, then these are really two beautiful concepts. One is self-esteem or self-image is how we view ourselves. Car confidence is having the courage to do what we want to do. And if we link it yeah. back to to Sue's original point about designing your own life, we put together our self-image with the courage or confidence, with the vision of our own life. That's the winning formula. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. So you can work out what you want to do in your life, where you want to go, what is holding you back. Um, get rid of those limiting beliefs that hold you back because they're all in your head. And, and then you can work out, okay, I've got my goals, I've got my self-belief, um, and then you just set up little mini habits that move you towards your goal. Mm, so that's the key, little mini it's habits. It's not as easy as it sounds. It takes work. <laughs> <laughs> it takes really work every day on yourself. But the more you, you do, the more you work on yourself, the, you know, the better and easier it becomes. Yes. And I think amazing. I'm I'm living proof of that. So, you know, I I went, like I say, from being broken to having um a really successful career and to be able to retire early and now to have my own business and to be writing a book. Um yeah. and to be, you know, just here talking to you. And i I do my own podcast um platform as well. Or not my platform, but I've got my own podcast as well. Yes, so. you don't come across as shy. Like, shy, I'm like, shy? No, she's not shy. <laughs> like, she's confident. <laughs> and, and that's a very good point. Like, shy and confident, they can, they, they can live together. I can have an introvert personality and still be confident. Yes, definitely. Yes. Yeah, there's a lot of motivational speakers. Um, I was, I've just started a course uh, by Keith Ferrazzi and he was saying, you know, he talks 
He deals with CEOs, large corporations. He talks on stage, but he still um, calls himself shy and introverted. There's a lot of mm. uh, motivational speakers that are actually do class themselves as introverts because at the end of the day, they would prefer to be on their own than to be talking <laughs> to a whole load of people. But they, they do because that's their job. And, you know, they, they've pushed themselves in to be able to do that. So, like, so that I can relate better, I am an extrovert. <laughs> so the word shy <laughs> and me many times don't go together. <laughs> But if I put myself in the shoes of an introvert, and let's say someone, uh, like, as an introvert, if at work I need to make presentations, or in the example that you said, like, if I'm a motivational speaker, that it's like we're taking that to the extreme, that I need to give presentations to hundreds or thousands of people. How do I gain that courage to, to be okay with, without feeling the nerves and the anxiety of speaking with, in front of people? Okay, so you will feel nerves and anxiety and fear because that is your instinct. That, that little um, part of your brain that says it's on the lookout constantly for danger And it says, right, you are going into something that you're not very confident about. So that means it must be dangerous. And as far as your, your mind is concerned, that means there's, you know, a lion coming or there's something, a predator around the corner, because that's your primitive mind thinking that. So you are bound to feel fear. But if you, before you step out, if you First of all, get into your body because you know when something frightens you and you say, I jumped out of my skin, what you're actually doing is, mm. is you're, you're leaving your body, your spirit is leaving your body. Um, you're not in the present anymore. You're either in the past or in the future. So you might be thinking about, um, oh my God, what just happened or what's about to happen. So you've just jumped out of your body, if you like, spiritually. So you need to get your awareness back in your body and you need to be calm and present. So you ground yourself first. And then before you work, walk out, you take a few breaths and you tell yourself, I can do this. And then you just go for it. You just, you just like jumping out of plane. You just take that step. You can't sit on the edge thinking, oh, I'm not sure about this. You just got to step out there and do it. Mm, and, that, and that's how you would do it as a, an introvert um, or a shy person. Yeah. So it's more of a, I feel my body. I, I like, I come back to my body, take yeah. a deep breath. And then that puts me in a calm, centered, grounded energy. And then I go and do it. Yeah. Because if you think about your mind, that primitive part of your mind that's sensing danger, it's telling you there's a predator, a lion or something coming towards you. This is what it believes is happening. Now, if you, if that happened, if you were walking through a jungle and there was a lion in front of you, you would start to go into fight, flight or freeze mode. So your breath would be very shallow. Um, that's how you breathe if you're frightened of something. So if you're worried about going on stage, you will be breathing very shallowly So that tells your brain, yep, it's definitely danger. So you don't, you don't want to go out there. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Um, but if you start to breathe calmly, if you saw a real lion in front of you in the jungle, you are not going to stand there going, ah, ah. <laughs> you're not going to breathe calmly and deeply. You are going to be out of there. So by breathing calmly and deeply, you're sending a message to your mind saying, there's no danger. It's absolutely fine. I've got this. And then it will start to calm down. It's all how you're sending signals back to your brain because your brain all the time is picking up and your mind is picking up signals from your body as to what's going on. So it's what you're noticing, how you're feeling, you know, what, what's going on in your body. And that's all fed back. And that's either, yeah, everything's fine or no, there's danger about it. we need to take action. And that's all the time what it's thinking. Hmm. Oh, that's, that's a great uh, perspective. I've never stopped to think about confidence and taking action and dealing with fear from an introvert's point of view. <laughs> I always think about it from the extrovert, of course. 
It's beautiful having that conversation. But even extroverts feel fear. I mean, that is, it's got to be a normal instinct. If you speak to any, you know, those um, free climbers, the, the ones that climb up mountains with no equipment, no ropes, they just climb up. They say they have to feel fear because if they didn't feel fear, they'd take risks that would get them killed. Because mm. they feel the fear and do it anyway, they are very, very careful about what they do because they know at any moment they can fall. And that would stop me from doing it. But that is the thrill for them. That's why they do it. But that doesn't mean they're not scared of it. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, I have a curiosity question. Like, how old were you when you started to discover all this work on mindset and confidence and NLP? I think um, I had to go through my darkest time um, and it was kind of an ongoing process. So, you know, started off when I was very young, I had basically a series of bad relationships, one just leading into another. Um, and so when I came out of my marriage, I was four, about 40 um, mm. and I, I've married again soon after so I met somebody else and I'm still with him and he's absolutely wonderful so I was probably a bit younger than 40 actually because I'm 62 this year but um yeah I had to fix myself I had to you know I had to work on myself I couldn't go to counseling I just couldn't talk to anybody else um I don't know why that was but I just I tried it and I just couldn't do it so I mm. thought right I'm gonna have to fix myself and the first I just thought I'll buy a self-help book. And I don't know what, what made me think that. I'll buy a self-help book. The first book I bought was Robin Sharma's The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Mm -hmm. And that yeah. put me on the road, basically. Once I read that, I read quite a few of his books. And then I started reading other books. And then I, I, um, I did the, I think I did the hypnotherapy training then which helped me a lot because if ever they needed a volunteer I was yep that's me yep I'm gonna volunteer and so I had all this free work done on me and of course we were practicing in pairs as well so I got a lot of my issues shifted that way um and the NLP as well I did that at the same time um and just kept doing different courses and and just working on myself all the time So mm. probably to get from that point to where I am now, it's probably, well, it has taken about 20 years. And it's only in the last probably five years that I felt really, really confident, super confident. Yeah. Yeah. And that's impressive because like you started in your 40s, probably, or early, late 30s, early 40s. How would your life could have been different if you learn this information let's say in your mid-20s oh my god well it would be totally different but I think we go through things to teach us something and so I wouldn't be the person I am now in fact I think when I was young I don't think I was a very nice person anyway <laughs> um well I think now I'm a much nicer person I'm more patient I'm um I'm, I think deeper. Um, I've got an awful lot of experience and knowledge to pass on. So mm -hmm. I think going through those dark times and, you know, get really honestly, if I'm totally honest, I did get to the point where I was driving in my car one day and I thought, if I just drive my car into a brick wall, maybe it'll all be over. And that's how close I came. I also remember a point when I was well, I say arguing with my ex-husband, but it was more me standing in the corner and him shouting at me. Um, and I was at a corner where two worktops met. And so he got me pinned mm. in this corner and he was pointing his finger and shouting at me and you know telling me how worthless I was. And I could see a knife on the table, on the like kitchen counter. And I thought, if I just reach over and get that knife, this will all be over. And again, for a split second, I thought, I thought about killing him. Um, that's that's how bad things got. Um, oh, wow. So 
I really, really did hit rock bottom. Um, and I have yeah. pulled myself back up. And, and, and I think I think I've done wonders. And now I want to pass that on to other people, basically. Oh, thank you for sharing that. Um, do you remember what was going on in your mind at those points that you didn't do it? You didn't grab the knife. You didn't crash the car. Like, what? I think. What? I I think it's the universe. I mean, I'm totally believe that you know there is, um, you know, whether you call it God, the Creator, the universe, there is a power that's higher than us that. If we open our hearts, open our spirits, it will guide us. And mm. I don't think I realized it at the time, but I think it, my purpose wasn't done. So it wasn't time for me to, to leave. Um, so, yeah, in both instances, I thought, just carry on. Just pick yourself up and carry on. That's all you can do. Wow. That takes a bit of courage. Yeah. 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 So somewhere in me, there was there was that courage. Yes. Oh, now that I say that, like, what's coming to mind is sometimes I feel like, especially these days with like women's empowerment and self help industry, like growing billions and all that stuff. Sometimes it feels that the word confidence is overused. But, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah. Like now that I'm hearing your story. Like when I look back at my story, it's like the word courage many times has been like so important that even like chapters of my life, I call them like the courage project. That's it. Yeah. It was just like a stage and it was, it, it was not about confidence. It was not about self-love. It was just <laughs> like you say, it was just like pull yourself from wherever you can <laughs> and it's just like have the courage to continue even through the yeah. challenges yeah whether that's yeah. a relationship or a health challenge or whatever it may be yeah yeah always view any any problem any challenge always view view it as a project something to work on you've got something in front of you so sort it out don't sit there thinking oh woe is me get up and sort it out that's the way I look at things now um mm. because of that because I know that you can fix things you can fix your life you can move forwards if if you've got again if you've got the courage you've got to have the desire and you've got to have the courage to step forward and do something and there is plenty of help out there there's plenty of people I mean you know there's women's groups I used to Uh, before lockdown, I was running women's circles. So we'd just sit down once a month mm. in a sacred space and just, you know, share our stories and help each other, listen to each other. Um, and sometimes that's all you need. Just somebody with their hands at your back. Yeah. Somebody to listen. Yeah. Yes. Um, now that we're talking about like the dark times and like courage, um, like the pandemic has created situations for people where it's very difficult it's very difficult for some of them it's financially difficult for others in difficult relationships it's like very difficult and domestic violence has increased a lot for others uh, mental health like living on your own like it's been difficult especially I don't know yeah. in the UK that it's like in the middle of I cannot imagine like I moved <laughs> I moved from the UK to Malaysia four years ago <laughs> but like many times I was like so grateful that I was going through lockdown in Malaysia because it was sunny I was like I cannot even imagine going through lockdown in winter in the UK <laughs> like just winter and it's only <laughs> difficult <laughs> so I think what what type of advice could you give people that are now going through a difficult time like based on your experience what is like the one or two small steps that they can take now that they are in that place I think I mean obviously it depends on your circumstances some people are I know in in the UK there are people that live in flats and have children and no gardens and can't go out Um, and that must be horrendous. That's not the case for me, but I can't imagine that must be 
you know, a nightmare really. But it will end. It's not going to be forever. Um, and as difficult as it may be, it's only a small part of your life. Things will change. Things will get better. You're not, we're not going to be, hopefully we're not going to be in lockdown forever. It seems like that, but we're not. It will, it will end. Um, but in the meantime, we've got telephones. We can talk. We can ring somebody and have a chat. Um, we've got, you know, we've got the internet, we've got Skype and Zoom, and we can talk to each other online. Um, you can go out your house. In the UK, you, you know, you're allowed to go out your house, you're allowed to go for a walk. Um, you've just got to keep socially distant. Um, so you can get fresh air. But I think the thing to do is to have, have belief that it will end, um, have something that mm you can focus on some interest. So many people have started hobbies. Um, I, I started baking. Uh, I started baking my own bread. So, oh, nice. and my son as well started baking his own bread because he was on furlough for, well, over a year because he was in hospitality. He started wow. baking um, and making all sorts of stuff. Um, and I know people, I know there's a girl in our town that started up her own cake business because she because she was on furlough, she started making cakes and selling them, little cupcakes. And she's now left her job and she's got a little business that keeps her, you know, she's, she's got a good income coming from it. So focus on something that you, you're interested in, you know, take up knitting or I know somebody that's taken up crochet and that he's a man, he's taken up crochet and he's crocheting blankets and shawls oh. and all sorts of things. <laughs> Um, yeah, and I'm fine. I mean, financial difficulties, obviously that is hard. Um, but it's just a matter of monitoring what you're spending your money on. And in our town, we've got a, a community fridge. Um, so we've got, obviously you've got food banks in the UK and a lot of people were using them even before the pandemic. So it's going to be even more now, but, um, we've got a, a community fridge where, if shops have got any, say, milk left over at the end of the evening, they'll put them in the community fridge so people can go and help themselves um, and stuff like that. And, you know, lots of shops have been putting things in there um, for people to take out. And it's community, so anybody can use it. Uh, so it's not necessarily for people yeah. that are financially in difficulties, um, but it helps. It, obviously, it helps everybody. So helps. ideas it like that that you can set up in your town work together, basically. I think the thing is to keep oh, positive. That is beautiful. What, whatever situation you're in, there's always going to be something positive that you can focus on. Hmm. Um, yes, that's a very good point. Like focusing on staying positive. Sometimes it's difficult when you are in a negative vibe. Just because oh, totally. It's always going to be difficult. Yeah, but it's, you know, it's like if you're, if you're, if you, if you cut an artery and you're ble bleeding to death, yes, it, it's, it might be hard to, um, you know, get, get, have an operation to have it sewn up. But if you don't do it, it you're going to bleed to death. So you've got to do something positive um, to help yourself. It's probably not a very good analogy, but it's the only one that came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> No, that's a good analogy. Um, what, like, what, what's coming to mind is, like, when you were in the dark times, and then now I'm, like, thinking of everyone that's struggling now because of the pandemic, like, I believe that sometimes what stops us from asking for help when we are struggling is that we, there's, like, this stigma around not being in my positive you know like there's stigma yeah. about feeling either depressed angry like whatever is the emotion that it's opposite to positive uh, especially when you take it like to the extreme let's say how yeah. do you recommend people to overcome that stigma and that fear to be judged and to reach out to feel comfortable reaching out yeah and asking for help. yeah 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 um it's okay not to be okay basically it it is okay to not be okay because if you everything has an opposite so 
if you're going through good times, sooner or later you're going to go for a bad time. You are. So if you're going through bad times, good times will follow. You have to go mm. through the dark to get to the light and vice versa. If you're yeah. going through um, the light, sooner or later you're going to go through the dark again. That's just life. It is up and down. So don't be afraid to ask for help. Just reach out. There are plenty of people that will help you. And there's also plenty of people that are either going through the same as you're going through or um, have been through what you're going through. So just ask for help. And there are, there, I mean, the thing with social media is there's so many groups um, where whatever your issue is, there'll be somebody else in the world that's had that issue, that's got that issue. And they form groups on social media. So just search out those groups. Um, just find somebody that you can talk to. I know with me, one of my problems when I was in my dark times, if you like, was I thought, well, I made these decisions. I chose the way my life has gone. It's, it's all my fault. So therefore, why would anybody mm. want to help me? Because I did this to myself. And that's absolute rubbish because mm. even if I, even if it was self-inflicted, it happened and it doesn't mean that nobody is ever going to mm. help me uh, because, you know, I made stupid mistakes because everybody makes mistakes. Yeah. So, you know, whatever you're going and through, you're the... not the first person in the world to be going through that problem. So reach out. Oh, Find yes. that person that's that says, I've been there. Yeah. Just find that person that says, yep, that was yeah. me. I've been there. I can relate to that and talk to them because they know what's going on. Yes. Like now that you say that, I remembered like that's what my mom used to say when I was growing up. Whatever is going on in your life, just remember that you're not going to be the first one going through this nor the last one. Whatever Absolutely. it is. If it's a breakup, a divorce, a job, a loss, like shame, whatever it is, you're not going to be neither the first one nor the last one. No. So reach out for no. help. It's That's not. That's right. I'm not. I wasn't the first girl in the world that made some really stupid mistakes that, you know, rebelled against her, her strict father and left home and you know did all sorts of crazy things. Um, I'm not the first person to have done that. So I'm not ashamed of, of you know, everything that happened. Um, yeah. I was then, but I'm not now. So, yeah. yeah no, so my advice would be always find somebody you can talk to. There are people you can talk to. Nobody's going to, yes. nobody will judge you if they're a good person. If they're not a good person and they do judge you, then you don't want to talk to them anyway. Just step away. <laughs> That's a good point. And probably we judge ourselves a little bit harsher than what people yes. may judge us because probably oh, no definitely. one is judging us it's just in our head absolutely the reality is never as bad as we think it is never no oh i love how this conversation ended up <laughs> like <laughs> in mental health because it's such an important topic and it's important to break the stigma about talking about the dark times because we all have them definitely yeah and if we haven't because we're too young and we haven't experienced them it's a oh just wait <laughs> like they will come <laughs> it will definitely come yes yeah. so the more prepared you are now the better <laughs> yes but exactly. I think I think that's an important point because I think so many um young young girls but and young men they're not taught to set their Um, but you know their boundaries what they will accept and what they won't accept um, mm. and I think that is so important to to know you know where where you're drawing drawing the line what you're willing to accept from somebody else what's acceptable behavior and what isn't and I think that's something I personally believe should be taught in schools and parents should teach their children as well yes that's a very good point Yeah, we're never taught about what to, exactly, how to put boundaries. Like what That's to right, accept yeah. and what so, not to accept from others. And others yeah. may be a partner or a boss or a parent. Like it can be a friend. It can be anyone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, what I'll put up with and what I won't. And, 
you know, I think children, young people should be taught values, how to set their own values, what, what's important to them, um, and live by them. If you don't know what they are in the first place, how can you live by your values if you don't even know what they are? So again, I think that would be, if I was in charge of education, that's what I would teach people. <laughs> that's I'm like that's a very good good observation for anyone in the world who works in education just take note yes <laughs> <laughs> um as we are approaching towards the end of the episode I wanted like of course you have like so much life experience and wisdom um you're saying I'm old aren't you <laughs> No, 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 no. <laughs> It's just like I'm framing the question for the for yes. the ladies who are listening. Because I was going to say, um, if you were to not look back, but like take all that wisdom that you have now and based on like you went through the workplace when it was really difficult for women to be in the workplace you went like through another world that i don't even i cannot even relate but the girls that are growing up now like if they're in their 20 25 years old like their world and mine is different already <laughs> so Definitely. with all your wisdom like what could you tell a lady who's in her 20s like early 20s mid 20s what could be your piece of advice for their lives i would say if you are um if you're just starting out in life now and, and you're in your 20s and I have a niece who is 23 so this really is the advice I've been given her just decide where you want to be say in five years time so when you're 20 five years seems a long time but believe me it's not so where would you like to be in five years time um what are all the goals that you want to set yourself you know is it finding a partner buying a house Um, you know, getting a, a better career, write all those down and then work out what do I have to do to get there? So what do I have to do this year to move me towards that five-year goal? And then once you've done that, what do I have to do this quarter, this month, today? What am I going to do next? So just set it out. So Basically, set out, this is what life by design is all about. Set out your life plan. What do you want your life to look like? Um, what's stopping you from getting that now? And what would, what would be the last step to take before you got there, before you reached the goal? So what would be the last step that you'll take? And what mm. will be the first step you need to take? And just plan it all out. It sounds very kind of regimented to plan your whole life out. And I know, you know, if you just said that to me when I was 20, I'd have gone, don't be ridiculous. I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow, let alone in five years. <laughs> But I wish now that somebody had sat down with me and said, let me, let's just plan out your life. Let's just see, not your whole life, but just for the next five years. And then when you get near to that five years, five years. you can then have another five years that So have perhaps have a rolling five years that you're working on. And then you always know where you're going and you always know what you're aiming for. And that then is setting your boundaries because once you know what you want to achieve, you're not going to let anything get in your way, are you? You're not going to let somebody say you're not good enough. Say, well, actually I am because this is where I am towards my goal. So yeah, actually I am good enough. That would be my advice. <laughs> oh, I love it. I loved how beautifully you bring everything together. That it's it's not that it, it it sounds regimental. You're right. I probably was thinking that I was like, oh, it sounds like a formula. <laughs> like who wants to do <laughs> well, that? Well, it is. It's but a formula it's for your life. <laughs> yeah, but it's not. But about that might the, mean the taking things. extra qualifications. It might mean you know learning new skills. It might mean practicing and practicing. It might mean reading books. But at least you know what you're doing. At least where you know going. where you're going. Yes, I think it's about that. It's doing the exercise such that you know where you're going. And then yes. once you know where you're going, you know where the train is heading. And then when detours happen, you're like, okay, detour, and then I'll come back because like I know where I'm going. And then when something where someone is behaving in a way that we believe is not in alignment with our values and boundaries, then we can very we can 
say, no, thank you. This is not what I want in my life in an easier manner because I know where I'm going and I know what I want in my life. It's doing that exercise gives me direction rather than regimental steps. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that is so beautiful. Um, so where can people find you? Know more about your work and your podcast, Life by Design. Yeah, so everything, my podcasts and everything I do is on my website, which is lifebydesign.uk. Um, I'm also on Instagram at suread1905. Amazing. And then just to kind of like close the, the, um, the podcast with the essence of, of what is this podcast, is the question for you is, What are you celebrating today? What am I celebrating today? Well, the sun's come out. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's been really, really rainy here in um, Devon. Uh, the sun is shining today and I'm working on my garden at the moment because uh, part of my life vision is to have a beautiful home and garden. So I can actually get out and work in the garden today. And I've got vegetables that are in my greenhouse that need tending. So, yeah, that's what I'm celebrating, all the stuff in my garden, the beauty. Awesome. And if I then go a little bit deeper and say, ask, what are you celebrating about you, yourself, today? What am I celebrating about me? Um, well, the fact that I've, I've done this podcast today, so, and I've, you know, Put a little bit of my knowledge out in the world um, and yeah. hopefully somebody will listen and um, and it'll help them um, and I've I've not been too well for the last couple of weeks so I've had a bad throat and a cough and I had a bit of laryngitis and that's unusual for me I don't normally suffer with any illnesses but it took me uh, it's taken me three weeks to shift it so I'm also celebrating actually being able to sit here and talk for an hour without having to cough and <laughs> and clear my throat Yay. so that's a big celebration <laughs> awesome thank you thank you so much Sue it's been a lovely episode it's been lovely having you and listening to your stories and so much wisdom like on everything that you said <laughs> like from banking to dark times to confidence self-esteem self-image courage uh mental health it was such a juicy episode and so much in this conversation thank you so much And ladies, I'm sending you a big hug and a lot of love all the way from Malaysia, covering all of Asia, all the way to the UK, crossing the ocean and covering all of America down to Mexico, Central America and to the end of Latin America, all the way back to Africa, to coming back to Malaysia. Have a beautiful <laughs> week and I speak with you next week. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you, Sue. Thank you.